0: Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. Our um, theme for this month is be encouraged be encouraged and our team text is taken from 2nd Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 be encouraged and my prayer is that this month by the grace of God as many of us as need encouragement that the Lord will indeed encourage us in jesus name and my prayer is that the lord will reach out to us those that need comfort the lord will comfort in the name of jesus and those that would need lifting the lord will lift up in the name of jesus let us pray father we want to thank you for this time We want to magnify your name. Glory, honor, and adoration be unto thy name, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have, that we can share fellowship with one another, and we can look up to you for encouragement. And your word assures us that you are the God of all comfort you would comfort us. You are the father of mercies and will draw mercy from your throne of grace in the name of Jesus. No matter the situation that we face, Lord, you are more than enough for us. And Lord, you will reach out to us. As we share from your word today, I pray, Father, that your word would encourage us, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will be a comforter in the name of Jesus, thank you eternal rock of ages, and to you be all the glory, in Jesus name we have prayed, amen, amen. This evening I just want to share thoughts with us, our team, which is, be encouraged, and I'll be doing that by looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'll read from verses 1 through to 11, and I would dwell substantially um, on this passage of scripture as I draw out um, learning points and help us to... For the both appreciate the context of our team, be encouraged, and also that the Lord will help us as um, we look up to Him for encouragement this month in the name of Jesus. Let us turn our Bibles to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 1 and I'm reading from the New International Version and I want to read from verses 1 through to 11 verses 1 through to 11 it says Paul an Apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the Church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Acacia. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion. Other versions will use the word mercy. And the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our troubles. So that we can comfort those. In any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God, verse 5, for just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. Verse 7, and our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed brothers about the hardship we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Indeed In our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many in answer to the prayers of many you know as i was preparing for this um, study i came across something that um, charles spongeon said and 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 i pay a lot of attention typically to whatever charles spongeon says the devotion that i currently use now morning and evening is by Charles um, Spongeon. Charles Spongeon was regarded as one of the greatest um, preachers in England during his period. And he said, during one of his messages, he said, I am the subject of depressions of spirit. So fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extreme wretchedness as I go to. He says those words were spoken in a sermon by Charles Spongeon whose marvelous ministry in London made him undoubtedly the greatest preacher in England ever produced and Charles is an amazing guy when you read his devotions you, 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 you'll be amazed at the level of his, of, of, of his engagement with the Lord the depth of insight yet to hear him share with his audience and say to them and share his experience with the kind of depressions of spirit that he went through, only goes to tell us that suffering, troubles, depression, pain, discouragement, are not peculiar to us alone. And they are not things that Christians are exempt from and it's interesting that as we look at the passage of scripture today that we just read through we would see the experience that Paul went through and we'll see in some of his other letters some of the pains that he went through as well And we go through those. Recently, when I was away on my recent trip, you know, you, you, when you're away, you, you keep trying to read up a lot of stuff, you know. And, um, and I kept reading some of the things on social media, particularly, you know, WhatsApp. They keep forwarding things to you. And, you know, you read those things. In fact, one day I read so many that I thought that you know the lagoon was already overflowing you know i was but i was careful i didn't want to agitate people back home so i didn't want to start phoning you know and i was so i now ask my this is a feeling that this is very serious what do we do with all this flood and then some people will show you some photographs i don't know how they came about those video um recordings trying to show you that if you're on Todmieland Bridge, you are so close to the water level. And I said, God, what if this were to be true? What would we do? I mean, I, 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 for a moment, I got agitated. I got agitated. You know, and, and, and I started asking questions. And then you you, you think about the situation in our country, you think about the experiences that people are going through. And I've come to realize that discouragement is no respecter of persons. Notwithstanding whatever height you have gotten to, whether spiritually or materially wherever you are discouragement is no respecter of persons it comes and from time to time people go through spates of discouragement in fact you know discouragement seems to attack the successful far more than the unsuccessful if I dare say so for the higher we climb, the further down we can fall. And you know, it just reminds me of the illustration that um, Reverend David Wong used to share with us back then in 1996. And then he would come to class, he was teaching us about um, leadership. And he was talking about the some of the pitfalls that leaders should watch out for. And he used a monkey, a baboon, to illustrate to Ross that when you look at a baboon climbing a palm tree, you discover, you know, if those of you are familiar with baboons, you discover that their bum-bum is what color? Red, right? And the higher the baboon goes on the palm tree, the more of the backside that is exposed, right? So the more exposed, so perhaps the more successful you think you are the more exposed you are the more vulnerable you can be you can be vulnerable to discouragement and that's why as I read the account of Paul I am not surprised you know when the great apostle himself, Paul Would say he was pressed out of pressure. And then he goes on to say, despised. You know, he despised even of life. He got to that point. Despired of life. Virtually giving up. Good as dead. And that's Paul. Great as he was, both in character and in ministry. But we're reminded that Paul was human, just like the rest of us. But I'm happy that Paul will write this so that we all can learn from it. We all can share in his experience. And we can be beneficiaries of the comfort that he received and the mercies of the Lord that he benefited from. And that then leads me to the question, what was Paul's secret of victory when he was experiencing pressure and trials? What was the secret? Because that is really going to help us as we connect to our team, be encouraged. How did Paul go about this? That's going to be a reference. Because we're going to look at how Paul handled his situation. How he went through this very severe trouble and trial that he went through and he was sharing with the church in Corinth in his second letter to them. His secret was God. His secret was what? God. His secret was God. So when you find yourself discouraged and ready to quit, Get your attention off yourself and focus it on God. Get your attention off yourself and focus it on God. Get your attention out of the problem itself and focus your attention instead on who? On God. I see many people are lamenting about Nigeria and so on perhaps it's time that we begin to look at who God God we see Paul out of his own difficult experience he tells us how we can find encouragement in God he tells us clearly From the passage of scripture that we have read. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 from verses 1 through to 11. He gives us three three simple reminders. As we look up to God, Paul gives us three simple reminders. And these are the reminders that I want to share with us today. Three. One is... Remember what God is to you. So anytime you find yourself in any trouble, in any trying situation, in any distressing situation, in depression, and you need to get out of it, you look up to God. And as you do so, three simple reminders. The first one is remember what God is to you. And then the second one is remember what God does for you. And then the third one is remember what God does through you. We may not be able to go through all three, but let's see how far we go. Then we'll look for another time to continue. But three reminders remember what God is to you. So you need to begin to ask yourself, so what is God to you? Because that's important. If you are going to draw encouragement, it's important that you know what God is to you. And then you need to know what God does for you. What does he do for you? And then finally what does God do through you and you see all of that in the passage of Scripture that we have read and I pray that the Lord would help us as we go through these reminders the first one is remember what God is to you and as we go back to the passage of Scripture that we have read After the greetings in verse 3, Paul begins and he says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Other versions would use, in place of compassion, would use mercies the father of mercies. So in trying to remember what God is to you, this passage helps us to bring all of this back home. Because Paul begins by praising God and he's praising that God and reminding himself who God is to him. Even in the midst of his trials and difficulties, he begins with that subject of praise. And in that subject of praise, acknowledges who God is to him. And the very first one is he praises God. He says, praise him because he is God. Praise him because he is God. And Paul did not miss one. He begins verse 3. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul has learned that praise is an important factor in achieving victory over discouragement and depression. Praise is important, and Paul starts with it, recognizing who God is, that God is to be praised. We're told that prayer changes things, but praise changes things. I used to read some series written by um, an author called Mary um, Yeah, in Carodas or something, you know, uh, prison to praise, power um, in praise, heaven to hell, or bringing heaven into hell, yeah, bringing heaven into hell. And you know, Karodas will really take time to talk extensively about the power in praise. And I see that just really popping out of this passage of scripture. That God desires our praise. He, He beats our praise. And that's where Paul starts from. And then he moves on. To praise him because he is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is very instructive. Because that is the access path for us. And Paul recognizes this because it is because of Jesus Christ that we can call God Father and even approach him as his children. God sees us in his son and loves us as he loves his son. We see that in John 17 verse 26 and that's why it's important And it's interesting to see that Paul establishes that. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are beloved of God because we are accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1.6 Whatever the Father did for Jesus when he was ministering on earth, he is able to do for us today as well. We are dear to the father because his son is dear to him. And we are citizens of the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians 1.13 reminds us of that. So we are precious to the father. And he will see to it that the pressure of life will not destroy us. Amen. And then he goes on. He goes on to praise him because he is the father of mercies. Where NIV uses compassion, other versions use mercy. And it's interesting to to, to see, he says, the father of mercy The father of compassion. And when he moves on to comfort, he says, the God of all comfort. And we're told that, you see, the Jewish people, to the Jewish people, the phrase father of means also like the originator of. It means also the originator of something. So God is the father of mercies. Because all mercy originates with him. And can be secured only from him. Father of mercy. Father of mercy. And if you look at John... You see where they made reference to Satan as the father of um, lies. So to the Jews, when they say father, it means, look, you are the originator. So God is the originator of mercy. And for us to be encouraged, one of the things that will bring encouragement to us is when we enjoy the mercies of the Lord. And here we see Paul. Praising God because he is the father of mercies. So God in his grace gives us what we do not deserve. And in his mercy, he does not give us what we do deserve. So sometimes even when you deserve judgment, God will forbear out of mercy. When you sin, you ask for mercy and he forgives. And Lamentation chapter 3, verse 22 tells us it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. God's mercy is manifold that is, is diverse it's is, is, is multiple Nehemiah nine nineteen tells us that and he says but in your great mercy you did not abandon them to die in the wilderness the pillar of cloud still led them forward by day and the pillar of fire Show them the way through the night. God's mercy is tender. Psalm 25 verse 6 says, Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. God's mercy is great. God's mercy is great. Numbers 14, 19 says, Pardon the iniquity of these people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven these people from Egypt even until now. And the Bible speaks frequently of the multitude of God's mercies. It is so inexhaustible in supply, that so much of it is available to us today that we can tap into. And then Paul moves on. After praising God as a father of mercy, he goes on to praise him because he is the God of all comfort. And I just love this. You know, he says he's the God of all comfort. And it's interesting to see how he uses the word comfort repeatedly in this passage. In these 11 verses, you will see the word comfort oh, maybe about 10 times. Comfort. But it's instructive for us not to view comfort here as a form of sympathy, not to think of comfort in terms of sympathy. Because if we think of comfort in terms of sympathy, we may just miss out the context. Because sympathy can weaken us instead of strengthening us. Because the kind of comfort that is being alluded to here is not the same. It's not designed to weaken us, but rather to, to to strengthen us in the situation that confronts us. So God does not pat us on the head or give us a piece of candy or something to distract us and take our attention from our troubles. No. Rather, he puts strength into our hearts so that we can face our trials and triumph over them. So there's a world of difference here. So we're not talking about looking away from the situation. We're not talking about you being distracted from the trouble or the trial. But we're talking about the God of all comforts who puts strength into your heart so that you can face up to the trial and triumph over the trial. And that's why we must not see the comfort in the context of sympathy, no. But something that strengthens our heart so that we can overcome. We can face and overcome so that we can be victorious and we can be triumphant. And again, if you go into the root of the word comfort, I hear, I read that it has its origin in Latin, from two Latin words, and they both mean with strength, with strength. So you can see that if you begin to look at comfort as sympathy, then we may just miss out this great value of comfort with strength. And then the Greek word that is used for comfort in some of these passages also mean to come alongside and help. It is the same Greek word that is used for describing the Holy Spirit in John 14 14 through to 16 when it refers to the Holy Spirit as a comforter. So God can encourage us by his word and through his spirit. And sometimes too, he encourages us By using other believers To give us the encouragement That we need And this immediately brings to mind The nickname given to Barnabas In the Bible When they said Barnabas is the son of what? Encouragement Barnabas is the son of encouragement I think that's in Acts chapter 4 verse 36 the Son of encouragement and the question is can you be a Barnabas to someone can you be a Barnabas to another brother or to another sister do you see yourself as a potential Barnabas do you see yourself as someone that can be used to encourage another brother or sister? And I'm going to be talking a little bit more about this because it's important for us to see as, as, as we look up to God to encourage us, we need to also see that God desires to use us to encourage other believers. And we need to see it as a ministry so that we don't just cocoon. So we can watch out for others and say, who can I be a source of encouragement to? Who needs an encouraging word from me today? Who can I encourage today? Can we be a Barnabas to someone else? I pray that the Lord will help us to be a Barnabas to someone. And let's look for those opportunities. So, when you find yourself discouraged because of the difficult circumstances, it is easy to look at yourself or your feelings. Or to focus on the problems around you, but the first step we must take is to look by faith to the Lord and realize all that God is to us. The very first step is we must look up to God by faith and realize all that God is to us. And that's why Psalm 121, 1, verses 1 and 2, remind us what the psalmist did there. He says, he, he said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I pray that that will be our declaration too in Jesus' name. So when confronted with a situation, our first step should not even be to run to family or run to friends or quickly check our source of wealth. No. No. That shouldn't be our first step. Shouldn't be our first step at all. God is the only source and should be the very first point of call because our trust must be in God. It's not in material blessings and not in people around. The arm of flesh will do what? Will fail us. But God never fails. Let God be our source of security. Our security must never come from power, must never come from what we think we have accumulated or the, 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 the network that we think we can tap into. But let our security flow from the Lord God Almighty, and He will direct he will know how to go about meeting our needs and lift us out of our situation and encourage us. So God is the only source for meeting our need, whether physical or spiritual. We must trust in him with all our hearts and seek him for grace to help us in our time of need. I mean, then also, let's look at the second reminder. The second reminder. And that second reminder is what God does for you. The the first one is what God is to you. And then the second one is what God does for you. So any time you find yourself in the pit down, needing encouragement, you want to remember what God does for you. And as you look at verse 4 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're moving from verse 3 to 4 now, and there he says, he says, Who comforts us in all our troubles? Who comforts us in all our troubles? Let me take it from three again and just build up. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion or mercy, and the God of all comforts. Who comforts us? In all our troubles. And I like this because he says all. I like the use of that word all. Not some of our troubles. So no trouble is left out. Notwithstanding the source, the cause. But he says all our troubles. All all our troubles and then the second leg of that verse goes on to say so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God and I want you to connect this second leg Of verse 4. To my earlier statement concerning Barnabas. That can you be a source of encouragement to someone else? So many Christians receive comfort in their troubles. But they do what? They keep it to themselves. They fail to realize that the comfort that they have received from God can also be a source of great comfort to another brother or sister going through a similar trial or situation. And I want us to remember that if we ever do that, that we're doing something that runs counter to this passage of scripture. And that's why when the Lord does something for you, let's not cocoon, keep it to ourselves. The much of it that we can share so that it can be an encouragement or source of comfort to others, let us be willing and eager to do so. Amen? Let's be eager to do so. So remember what God does for you. So in remembering what God does, the very first one is to know that God has allowed this trial to come. I know that many of you have questions. Eh? God allowed it? Why? Why? we can talk about it a while later but he has allowed it if he doesn't want it to happen he will stop it is there anything that god cannot stop is there anything that god cannot stop is there anything that is beyond god there's nothing there's absolutely nothing so if the trial has come then he has allowed it. And it's important for you to recognize that because it helps us. So when I'm going through a difficult situation, it's important for me to know that "Mm, God has allowed this because if not, it won't get to me. I'm shielded. But if he has allowed it, then he has allowed it. So it's important to know that. And, and I also say to myself, if he has allowed it, then he has allowed it for a purpose. He has allowed it for a purpose. Sometimes it helps To know why he has allowed it. Sometimes we may never know. But I know from scriptures. Sometimes he allows trials, difficulties, troubles. Sometimes to even gain our attention. Because sometimes, you know, we are going on on a roller coaster. And when we think less of God, we no longer spend time with him. Maybe God wants your attention on a particular matter. He can allow a situation. He can orchestrate something. But I know that sometimes he wants our attention. You know, and as I was thinking through this, and I just remember, you know, during the COVID um, um, pandemic, man did god get our attention or not did he get it eh? did covid draw us to god eh? I, i'm not hearing you for very well oh. Yes. the way i prayed during covid i've never prayed like that all my life so even if you didn't have if it did not if god did not get your honor god got my own attention because the pandemic was something else. It just shut down everything. We've never had that experience before. I've never had it before. There was fear in the land. It was palpable. You could put a knife through it. Nobody will tell you to go and pray. Nobody will tell you All kinds of online prayers started. And then you look at the situation in Nigeria today. Look at Nigerian Christians. They are praying very hard now. I'm sure if things were going on very well, economy was nice, people have money in their pocket, jobs, everything, you know, everything is going smoothly. Are you with me? Do you think we'll be having 30-30? Eh? Eh? There will be no thirty thirty. You see, people wake up early in the morning are praying. So it could be sometimes to get our attention, sometimes to get our attention, sometimes to reestablish our dependence on God. You know, because you know, sometimes you can become so 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 self dependent. You depend on yourself, you have everything, you can solve every problem. But the reality I've you know, I have come to realize that no matter how much money you amass it's either in no time money can go or you have all the money you have a health condition and the money cannot uh, solve the problem I know someone I think in his house he had how many Rolls Royces close to like 10 and during COVID he contracted COVID they quickly took him somewhere then they, then they used to pay like 10 million. But no matter how many millions you wanted them to pay, they would have paid. But at the end of the day, this man did what? He died. He died. He died. And there are some people who contracted COVID. Either they don't have money to go and pay the million, they stayed in their house and uh, they survived are, are, are you with me so can you see how God establishes these things why you know he, he wants you to depend on Him. so someone has so much money he can pay any bill he dies someone else does not have money he has the same disease he sits in his house he survives only who God brethren be encouraged be encouraged by your knowledge of the God that you serve be encouraged by the knowledge of what you know that God can do for you be encouraged So when these things come, he allows it to get our attention, to reestablish your dependence on him and not on people, not on wealth or whatever. And it could also be so that you can comfort others going through the same trial or who may go through the same trial somewhere down the line And your paths will cross and that's why it's important not to look away when people are going through issues see if you can help because you may have gone through some experiences in the past God was perhaps preparing you to help that brother or sister as he or she goes through her own trial that might just be why God allows you go through that experience and sometimes he allows you to go through so that you can help so many more people. I, I, I shared about Joni here some time ago, how Joni had an accident and became paralyzed, and today she's built a ministry, this, you know, helping and supporting millions who have special needs. Who knows? Perhaps that was why God allowed her to go through that experience. She's able to make life. God is using her, walking through her and her ministry to make life easy and easier for those who are living with difficulties and need special support and help. And she's reaching out across the world Even our church were benefiting from that in training. Who would ever think of that? She lives very far away in the United States. So when we go through some situations and experiences in life, let's not be consumed by thoughts of the challenge, thoughts of the problem, the trials. But as we receive comfort from the Lord and deliverance from God, let's also consider that perhaps the Lord has allowed us to go through this so that we can help other people. And again, it could be that God may be glorified. He wants to be glorified. And you have no right to challenge that are you with me? You have no right to do what to challenge that. He, he may he, he may allow it, permit it, just because he wants to be glorified. He is God. He is sovereign. And when they saw somebody who was born uh, blind, and they said, "Oh, why was this boy born blind? Is it because of the sin of the parents?" Oh, they said, "No, no." Not because of anybody's sin. So, so many reasons why God will permit. But the knowledge that God is aware and has allowed or permitted the trials that we're going through should be a source of encouragement for us. The fact that, look, the God Almighty knows that I'm going through this situation. Number one is a source of encouragement. So God is aware. And 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 the kind of attitude that we have is important. Others will say, Ah God, how can you be allowing this? You spend your time asking questions. But draw encouragement. Because if he is aware and he has permitted it, he's permitted it for a purpose. And it means that he is in control. And that leads me to the next point. That God is in control of trials. Whatever the situation is, God is in control. He doesn't lose control. He doesn't give up control. He is in control. And that's why you go to Second Corinthians 1.8. You move down. Quickly to verse 8, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardship we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Even of life. Paul got to the point of giving up on life. But the beauty of it is that God was in control and God was not yet about to give up on Paul. So Paul had learned that God was in control and he never loses control. So the knowledge that God is in control of our situation and the experience that we're going through should also be a source of encouragement for us. So you know that God has permitted it. You know that God is in control. And that should make you relax. Right? If you know that God is in control, then you know that, yes, he's in control. And he should relax. He should draw encouragement from that. Even though Paul was weighed with the trial, the load was too heavy for him to bear. But God knew just how much Paul could take and he kept the situation in control. The passage of scripture does not tell us the details of what it was. We do not know the specific trouble. What was the specific trouble? We do not know. But it was great enough to make Paul think that he was going to die. That was how serious it was. So whether it was some prill from his enemies, and Paul had so many of them, whether it was some serious illness... Whether it was some satanic attack, we do not know. But we do know that God controlled the circumstances and protected His servant. Just like God is in control of whatever situation you may be going through, He's in control. Is in control of all that is happening around us. Even as challenging and as difficult as the situation in our country may be today, there's absolutely no doubt that God is in control. And because he's in control, we must draw encouragement from that. We must draw encouragement from that. Because if you have someone you trust, and, 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 and for instance, I mean, if at home you, you, your husband is, is um, an electrical engineer, and then you have an electrical problem at home, and then he walks in, and then you tell him, oh, we have this electrical problem, and then immediately he moves in there. As a wife, what happens? You just take the back seat, right? You become relaxed, right? Why? Because your husband, who is an electrical engineer, has come and he has taken what? He has taken control. Even if it was a major emergency before he came in, the moment he walks in, the wife draws encouragement. Because the husband is an electrical engineer and he has taken control of the situation. And that's the way we need to begin to see this. And that's why we must draw encouragement from the fact that God is in control of our situation and all that is around us. So when God puts his children into the furnace, he keeps his hand on the thermostat and his eye on the thermometer to go beyond what they can bear. And 1 Corinthians ten thirteen tells us that, 1 Peter 1 verses 6 and 7 also attests to that. God is going to ensure that, look, the trials that come our way are not beyond what we can bear. And because he's in control, he controls and regulates it. And ultimately, he gets us out of it. And then God enables us to bear our trial. And in verse 9 of Second Corinthians chapter 1, he says, Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Who raises the dead? God enables us to bear our trials. Because to start with, the trials will reveal how weak. We are in ourselves. Because imagine Paul. Imagine Paul. Imagine the the, the stature of Paul. The the spiritual stature. Let's not talk about his physical stature. But look at his his, his, his spiritual stature. Look at the wealth of experience. But look at how vulnerable he was. How weak. And when he speaks of it. So try us, reveal how weak we are in ourselves. But the beauty of it is that God then wants us to trust Him. Because when you then' realize that you are helpless or you are weak, we're told that then you are strong. Why? Because you are looking up to who? God are looking up to God. God wants us to trust him. Not in our giftings, our talents, our abilities, our experience, or our spiritual result. It's not, not to trust in how much you think you can pray, how gingim you think you are, or whether you're a pastor or a deacon or deaconess. No. But God wants you to just trust him. And that was precisely what Paul did here. That was precisely what Paul did. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I just like that. In First Corinthians 12:10. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul did not deny the way he felt he didn't deny it he put it down so there's no need pretending and trying to show that he is superhuman no Paul, Paul, Paul was plain he was open with it he did not deny the way he felt nor does God want us to deny our emotions God wants us to be plain it's no need pretending. No. Paul was open. So let's be open. If you are down, say you are down. So that God will do what? Will lift you. It's not lack of faith. It's not lack of faith. I pray that the Lord will help us. Then God delivers us from our trials. Let me just... He delivers us from our trials. As we move to verse 10, as we move to verse 10, here he says, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And that's where our team and verse comes from. He will God delivers us from our trials. After describing his struggles and how he felt and everything, finally, Paul then declares that yes, God delivered him. God delivers us from our trials. Paul saw God's hand of deliverance, whether he looked back around or ahead. The word God, uh, Paul used means to help out of distress, to save and to protect. God delivered him. God does not always deliver us immediately, nor does he deliver each of his children in the same way. In the same way. Because I also see that there's one common mistake we want to predict god or sometimes we even want to dictate to god how god should deliver us when he should deliver the form the deliverance should take we want to take over control from him and god is not about he's not ready to surrender that control because we can't manage it because if you can manage the control, we won't be where we are in the first place. Are you with me? So we should quit trying to dictate the terms of our deliverance. And don't say, oh, because he did it this way for A, so he has to do it the same way for me. No, your circumstances are different. And God sees beyond the immediate. The walk before God is enormous. You, we, we can't comprehend it. So we should quit dictating to God how we want God to get us out of our situation. We, we must be encouraged. But we shouldn't dictate to God. Many of us want to dictate to God. We want to tell God how God should minister to us. We say, let's go and do evangelism. You say, you are waiting until God tells you before you go and do evangelism. We're like that. Oh no, but yesterday, you know, God woke me up to go for evangelism. Today, He didn't wake me. It means He doesn't want me to go. We run our conclusions. We want to put God in a straitjacket. So because God did something one way yesterday, it must be the same today and forever. Let God be God. Let God be sovereign. He, he is not under any obligation to, to, to relate with you the same way he did yesterday. You can be sure of outcomes. But how God will do his things, you, you, you don't have a right to dictate to God. I pray that the Lord will help us. So sometimes God delivers us differently. Sometimes he delivers us from our trials. And at other times, he delivers us in our trials. Peter went through trials. He survived, God delivered him and brought him back alive. Some apostles went through it and in that trial they, the Lord called them home. God has different ways of responding. I pray that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. And then finally, is God is glorified through our trials god is glorified through our trials i'll just break at this point maybe someone i can continue from there on another occasion but god is glorified through our trials and we, we you you see that in verse 11. you know it's, it's, it's interesting to see you know paul share the testimony of his deliverance you know in verse 11 He says, As you help us by your prayer, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. In answer to the prayers of many. God is glorified through our trials. It talks about the gracious favor that God granted them. And as they went through this trial, ultimately God is glorified. So when Paul reported what God had done for him, there were a great chorus of praise and thanksgiving. It all went up from the saints. The throne of God. And that's why when testimonies are shared, God is glorified. Amen? When testimonies are shared, God is glorified. You know, and as I was thinking about this, thinking about testimonies and the fact that God is glorified, you know, so trials produce testimonies. And I dare say great trials also produce uh, great testimonies. But it's interesting, you know. Sometimes I listen to prayers, and I listen to people praying. You know, we, 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 we like the testimony bit, but I'm sure some people say, mm, we don't like the trial. Right? Some people don't like the trial. I know that. Probably may not enjoy trials when you are going through them, but some of them come up with great outcomes. They make us even better Christians. They draw us closer to God. I know that this is hard for us to take, but the reality is that who goes through life without going through some trials? I see people who want they are praying for miracle. Miracles solve trial problems. But I pray that the Lord will help us.